This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, two big topics with one senator. And they're both controversial and deadly. First, Israel's war with Hamas militants, now a week long, after terror attacks launched from Gaza. We talked to Republican Senator Rand Paul back on Tuesday about what he thinks the U.S. should do and how far we should go supporting our ally Israel. We also talked to the senator about his new book, just out this week, titled Deception, with Dr. Anthony Fauci in a mask on the cover. Now, those two, as you probably know, famously sparred at Senate hearings about COVID, and in particular, about the theory that the virus leaked from a Chinese lab. Now, since we had so much to discuss with the senator, the conversation was far too long to fit into the regular rundown podcast. And I knew, I knew as we talked and talked that we definitely would want to let you hear all of it in one of these extras. And here it is. We appreciate you listening, as always, and invite you back. You know, we're always talking to somebody either making news or reacting to it. And now Senator Rand Paul on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us again on the Fox News Rundown is Senator Rand Paul, a Republican from Kentucky, with a new book, Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up, which we'll get to. First of all, congratulations on the book. Thank you, and thanks for having me. So this book, of course, is going to be uh, you know, a big delve into COVID in the past, and we'll get to that. But I want to start with what's going on now in the Middle East. By the time we put this out, it'll be day five of the war between Israel and Hamas, started, of course, by Hamas's terror attack across the border on Saturday, taking an unknown number of people hostage, killing more than a thousand Israelis. Your thoughts on where we are in this now? You know, it's impossible to watch without being horrified, you know, by the killing of civilian women and children, unarmed people. You know, I have three boys and All of them have been to sort of, you know, the rock concerts, the three-day concerts in the U.S. So I can imagine young people in Israel going to this concert, celebrating music, and, you know, nobody thinking in their worst dreams that someone would show up and, you know, what kind of uh, heartless person would show up and just shoot unarmed people, man man or woman, but just to shoot people point blank, haul some of them off. Go into uh, people's homes, kill them. Rape and abuse people, take them back into Gaza. And, you know, I was listening this morning on Fox and hearing the story of a young man who they think lost his arm in an explosion, ties the tourniquet on, and then is taken into Gaza, and they hope is still alive, missing one arm. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, I I don't understand that kind of senseless violence. But even from a rational point of view, if you have a beef or an argument, you think somehow your arguments can be made more legitimate by killing civilians? No, I think if anything, it does the opposite. It unifies the world against these people. That's what what 
What do you think the motive would be? Why do this? They know what Israel's going to do. Yeah. I don't understand it because terrorism, you know, is supposed to strike fear, but they, they ultimately have a goal. But I don't know. I, I think really actually in the last 20 years as we've seen terrorism happening, probably starting with 9-11, and terrorists have seen our response to it or the West's response to it or Israel's response to it, I don't know how they imagine that they're doing their cause any good because it really does unify. I think 9-11 unified the world against, you know, Osama right. bin Laden and the, the jihadists. And I think this will unify the world as well. Now, it is interesting still to see some of the response from some of the Middle Eastern countries who aren't quite as unified saying it's Israel's fault. Well, of course. And, and there um, are people here that have been pro-Palestinian rallies here in the U.S. Yeah, it seems like they all go to Harvard. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's hard to even that, to imagine that. And, and their arguments become less potent, you know, when you see the, the death and carnage that has no justification. Well, they're going to point to, especially if Israel does a ground invasion and there are civilian casualties as a result of all of what Israel's doing in retaliation, this has happened many times before where yeah. they they demand Israel stop because civilians are being killed and, right. and then they'll accuse them of targeting Palestinians. And it's virtually an impossible situation from a military or a logistical point of view going into a big city like this and trying to find these people because they'll disappear into the tunnels, they'll disappear into civilian populations. And no, it is, it's going to be a bloody mess, um, but it's a bloody mess started by people who wanted to kill women and children. And, you know, I think they have no leg to stand on, the terrorists. Hostages... There are some Americans believed being held. Hamas has threatened to execute them. They've even threatened to make it public. This is a very difficult situation, but if there are Americans, would you support the U.S. military going in to try to rescue them? I think it's best not to make a comment yet on what's happening. We need to know who's being held. And the other thing about telling people what you're going to do is it may not actually help the cause. Most of the time, things like this, you know, you can think back to the Iranian hostages. Some of it was done, you know, secretly, and then some of it failed, mm -hmm. you know, before it finally succeeded. Um, so I think that uh, it's best not conjecturing on that, but I think that the hostages deserve to be saved, and I hope that there is a way they can be saved. But it's going to be complicated. You've got 100,000 Israeli troops massing out there, and I think there's going to they're going to destroy the infrastructure of Hamas. And yeah. I think Hamas is going to get what they what they deserve. Now, as far as supporting Israel, we're not going to be putting our own troops there, but uh, we're going to be sending more help, more munitions. Do you support that? Well, we've had a long-standing, you know, special relationship with Israel, including armaments and sharing uh, technology for decades now, and that mm -hmm. will continue. And I do support that. Okay, I'm, we've had a big battle and a debate in our country about support for Ukraine. And that war is still going on with Russia and the debate about whether or not to send more ammunition. Does that get more complicated with Israel? Well, I think there's going to be some question of whether or not Hamas is using any weapons that we actually sent to Ukraine to begin with. So okay. there's a question of oversight of whether or not the corruption... You think that's happened? Do you think our weapons have gotten to the Gaza? There, there are people saying that. I, okay. you know, we're going to wait and see what the evidence shows on that. But I've been one who's been a stickler for more oversight of the weapons and the dollars going into Ukraine to make sure they're not. There have been public reports of arms dealers uh, making off with our weapons, That some of the weapons that are, are being are given to Ukraine. 
My point has always been that um, any kind of aid, even to our allies, we need to be very careful that um, we're not bankrupting ourselves in the process. Um, we really have a terrible financial situation in our country where we spend about $1.5 trillion more than comes in. And so anything really needs to be done in the context of trying to balance. So anytime they've asked for more arms for Ukraine or even for Israel, I say let's take it from somewhere else. One of the things I suggested a year or two ago is when Afghan war was over and we left and Biden left in such a terrible fashion, there was still like $3 billion sitting in an Afghan reconstruction fund. I tried to take that in order that that could actually be used for Iron Dome payments, and the Democrats objected to it. They said, oh, no, no. And I said, well, isn't some of this going to go to the Taliban? They said, oh, no, no, we're going to humanitarian groups. But there's stuff like that throughout our government. What I keep asking is take it from someplace where it's doing okay. harm and put it into a place that would do more Because good. you face criticism for blocking funding for the Iron Dome, which ultimately right. Iron Dome funding did occur, correct? Right. Basically, I never blocked it. I offered to, to pay for it, and the Democrats rejected paying for it. So right. it's sort of a, a war of words where people say, oh, you blocked it. And I say, well, no, no. I offered unanimous consent to actually have it happen, a billion dollars, but take that billion dollars from money that was going to the Taliban, and the Democrats objected to it. So I think it's sometimes it depends on the perspective of who's reporting, right. whether or not that's reported as blocking, or you could easily write the same headline, Democrats block Rand Paul from funding Iron Dome because they won't pay for it from Taliban money. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Are we still funding for humanitarian purposes anything in Afghanistan? Or you're, that you're yeah, known? we, we uh, estimate there's still several hundred million dollars in a fund going to Afghanistan and there are reports of that going into the hands of the Taliban. I think I think that's atrocious. You know, every year we send uh, still several hundred million dollars to the Palestinians, uh, to the Palestinian Liberation Organization. We send it uh, to a group that actually was funding uh, martyrs, people who die mm -hmm. killing Israelis. We're giving martyr funds from this fund that was being funded by the U.S. So I've actually recommended we go one step further. I don't think we should be giving any tax dollars. One, we have to borrow it. We don't even have enough money to pay for our own Social Security mm. and Medicare. Why should we give any money to the Palestinians? And people say, oh, it's for humanitarian reasons. Well, you give your money then. I mean, it's there. This is borrowed money. You know, we don't, it, it makes no sense to have humanitarian sort of nature or cause for something we don't have money for, that we're actually borrowing the money to send it to someone. So, uh, no, I would go one step further than where we are now. I would cut off all funds to the Palestinian Authority, the PLO, any of these groups. There's a big question about Iran here. There were reports that Iran helped Hamas militants plot this terror attack. Iran's Ayatollah says that's not true. Where do you stand on that, and what should we do if it is proven that Iran was behind this? I think we should thoroughly investigate it and, and see if it's true or not true. We do know that they, and they've admitted to giving funds, they're jumping up and down, gleefully clapping their hands at what happened. So we know where their sympathies are, or where their sick sympathies are. As far as the proof of whether or not they were a part of this, we should, we should investigate it. 
We need to recall that, like, after 9-11, people were very mad. All of us were mad. If you live in sure. New York, you got to imagine yeah, what well, the yeah. response still is towards thinking about 9-11. But there were people who quickly said it was Iraq. And then all of a sudden, they're misdirecting us towards Iraq. And Iraq had a brutal dictator, Hussein, and everything. And everybody felt, but he really didn't have anything to do with 9-11. And yet, people conflated the two. Well, Vice President Cheney kept saying over and over again. Yeah. So I think we have to be wary of that. And I'm not one for rushing into things. I'm also not one for doing something without thinking of the unintended consequences. There are people in the Senate now, we won't name any names, Lindsey Graham, talking about <laughs> bombing Tehran immediately. And the thing is, is the way our system works, our founding fathers so much disliked and wanted to prevent forever war, the ones that went on in Europe, that they put the war-making power in the legislature and they have to have a vote. Mm -hmm. So people who are saying, let's bomb Tehran, they should be saying, let's go to Congress and ask permission to bomb Tehran. But then there would be a debate over this. We'd see the evidence. And there will be evidence, frankly. It's sort of like an airline crash. When they look at the missiles and the rockets that went in, they'll find serial numbers, they'll find who made the weapons, and they'll find out where they came from. And so I think all of that should be investigated. I'm not prepared to say exactly what we should do then. The other thing is, is... Uh, Israel has already bombed Iran many times. They've bombed, they've, scientists have been killed, all this stuff's happened. And targets in Syria as well. Right. So we have to ask, did that work or did it make it worse? So people say, well, we don't want Iran to have a nuclear weapon. Neither do I. Nobody does. But are they closer now than they were a year ago? Yeah, they're within two weeks of having enough uranium. People say, we're going to bomb their nuclear program out of it. You know, it takes about this much uranium. A cup full of uranium that's enriched to 90 percent is enough for a bomb. So do you think you could hide 10 cupfuls in 10 different places under 10 different mountains in Iran? I don't think, and most of the time the briefings I've gotten says you cannot militarily stop them. So then it gets to... What do we do? Yeah. I mean, is there is there something, but we shouldn't do something that's the opposite of, of what will be done well. So I don't know that I know the answer at this point, but I think it should be investigated. Um, and at this point, I think the primary things are trying to free the hostages if we can, and then making sure that Hamas has no ability to do this again. You talk about Congress. Is there, there, is there a nuance in that, though? Uh, the declaration of war versus an administration authorizing a series of airstrikes targeting, say, facilities that they say might be used for nuclear weapons? Wouldn't that be different? Some some say there is a difference. I'm sort of one who believes that if we're going to go to war with a country, even just dropping some bombs, we should have a vote in Congress. Some have said that the vote after 9-11 to authorize the use of force is enough for anything we okay. do. And I, I'm, uh, I don't think that's right because I think about it. I have a good friend in my town. His uh, son we've known, seen grow up. He's a second lieutenant. He's in the infantry. I don't think that he should be sent to, to fight a, a battle anywhere and die without me voting on it. doesn't mean I vote against it or for it, but it's Congress should vote on that because – Young people shouldn't be asked to die for something that was a vote. They're saying, oh, we voted on it after 9-11. Well, it has nothing to do with what's going on now. And mm -hmm. I would have voted for the 9-11 authorization of use of force. But I don't believe it should mean that we never have to vote again. And then I can just say, oh, well, it's already voted on. I don't have to vote. No, I should have the responsibility, every representative, of voting yes or no on who we go to war with. But wouldn't that take some element of surprise? Don't you need some element of there, surprise there on be, airstrikes and you, certain you things? You can probably imagine some, some situations when it wouldn't. But it's also another reason for not going too far into what we're going to do to Iran, because anytime 
Israel has actually done it. They didn't announce before, and they didn't claim afterwards mm-hmm. who did it as well. Right. So they know the element of surprise and the element of secrecy, and they have their own system. Uh, but if, if, for example, we're going to be part of a bombing campaign of Gaza, whether it's justified or not, that should be a vote. We shouldn't uh, be, you know, they know it's coming, and it's in all likelihood coming from Israel. But if the U.S. were to be part of that, there needs to be a full-throated debate in our country, and we have to make a decision. And what would get you to vote yes for that? What circumstance can you see that where you okay the U.S. has to help Israel? I think uh, anytime you know U.S. citizens are involved it has something to do with it. Defending our country, people who have attacked our country. You know, on nine eleven it was very clear cut we were attacked. On Pearl Harbor it was very clear cut we were attacked. I don't think we should wish to be involved always in every war. And you can often be supportive without being directly involved with your troops. And I think at this point, um, Israel's received a great deal of help from us over many decades, and I think they're very capable. There's probably no more capable military other than ours in in the world, to tell you the truth. And I think that uh, Hamas is going to rue the day they did this. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's switch to your book. Just out this week. Deception, the great COVID cover-up. And on the front, you have a picture right there of Dr. Anthony Fauci in a mask. You certainly have had your public battles with him at Senate hearings. Is this personal against Dr. Fauci? No, but I would say that um, there's an enormous amount of culpability uh, that can be attributed to Anthony Fauci for the pandemic. We have conversations of his, private conversations, February 1st, uh, January 31st of 2020. And he's already acknowledging that he knows that they're doing gain-of-function research, juicing up viruses in this lab. He's already acknowledging that the virus looks like it's been manipulated in a lab. And he's saying basically in a private email, we're very suspicious of this. Three days later, he's editing a paper calling anybody who says this a conspiracy theorist and saying that there is no evidence that this is not a virus that could have come from a lab, saying this adamantly while privately saying the opposite. And this wasn't the first time. On masks, you know, he's telling his colleagues, don't wear them, they don't work, and then publicly telling people to wear three masks that are made of cut-up T-shirts kind Mm. of stuff. So he has this history. But it's not personal in the sense I have no animus. In fact, it's really about trying to prevent this from happening again. I think what we're talking about with this virus is, is akin to talking about nuclear weapons. Basically, 16 million people died. That's as much as a nuclear weapon can kill, and it does it in a stealthy manner, and it did it perhaps with our funding. That's what the cover-up is about. We've discovered that eight different agencies of our government were funding this research. It's all supposedly unclassified research grants. They're all trying not to divulge anything. The most important grant we found out about only came from a whistleblower. In this grant... The lab in China, along with EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Dayzak in our country and Ralph Barrick, asked for money to create a, co- a coronavirus, that's what COVID is, right. with a special cleavage site called a furin cleavage site and to stick it in the li- into the virus to allow it to infect humans. Animal virus, we're going to do something to it to make it infect humans. They asked for money to do this. But what makes it startling is they asked for our Defense Department to give it to them, 
And fortunately, actually, we didn't give it to them in 2018. But then when we sequenced coronavirus, coronavirus turns out to be COVID, exactly what they're asking for money to do two years later. Now, did any of them tell us this? One of them's a professor at University of North Carolina. He never told anybody, oh, yeah, we've been trying to do exactly what the virus looks like for three mm-hmm. years. He was completely quiet. And then he was part of a letter that they send to Lancet where they say anybody saying that this could have come from a lab is a crackpot. It's a fringe theory, conspiracy theorist. But what we prove in the book Deception is that there's a great deal of evidence in the words of Anthony Fauci and of all his cronies admitting what they did in private when a court order, when a federal court made them reveal it, we now have the proof that they were lying the entire time. Is there any chance, some people still have said, even Dr. Fauci, there is a chance that this was naturally done. Some animal, there's some link somewhere we haven't found yet. Almost everybody that believes it came from the lab also leaves some allowance for the possibility that it could have come from animals. Interestingly, nobody like myself who believes that it came from the lab are calling the other people crazy calling Mm -hmm. them conspiracy theorists. So all the epithets and all the ad hominem is all coming from Anthony Fauci and his crowd. In fact, we have emails of Anthony Fauci saying to two scientists, take them down. Does that sound like something you'd want a public health scientist to say about other scientists? He said that about Jay Bhattacharya, a scientist from Stanford, and Martin Koldorf, a, a scientist from Harvard. He said to Francis Collins, let's take them down. And then he sent evidence back from like Wired magazine and different non-scientific magazines. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing to destroy their reputations. And that's the kind of person you don't want anywhere near government. And the guy can't get away. He still works for government. He's still got a full-time security detail on limo, picking him up every day for work. He was making $450,000 a year, more than the president. And it turns out his wealth during the middle of this pandemic goes from like $7 million to $12 million. Guy makes 40% increase in his wealth during the pandemic. So one of the things that you uh, also go into is this wet market in China. There was a lot of talk that this came from this market in Wuhan, China, and not from the lab. And we were given that a lot, that the wet market was somehow responsible. You haven't found any wet market linked, right? None. So the first SARS virus was 2003-2004. This is SARS-1. They did discover within about three months that civets, a kind of a wild cat, right. was carrying the virus. Then they found the animal handlers that were handling the, the civets also had antibodies to it, showing that it had repeated infection. They also found that with animal viruses, the first one that comes over isn't very infectious. It's very infectious in the civets or the cats in the animal, but not so much in the human. So when it comes from the animal kingdom, it tries many different times. Right. And then it finally infects a person, and it mutates in that person's body, and something clicks, and then you give it to somebody else. But in the beginning, it's just not very contagious. It's clumsy. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when it comes from the animal kingdom, if you're investigating and looking back at the lineage of the genetic tree, you find that there's 10, 20, 30 uh, different genetic varieties. Right. When we look at COVID, one genetic variety... Turns out that genetic variety, patient zero, the earliest patients we can find, didn't have anything to do with the wet market. Turns out even worse than that, there were three people sick in November of 2019 who worked in the gain-of-function lab in Wuhan, and we now think that they're patient zero. Those three patients are the patient zero, and they actually worked specifically in the lab creating these gain-of-function viruses. And so they get it, and then they spread it themselves around in Wuhan. Yeah. And then people at the wet market got sick from them, but 
Exactly. There was an explosion of cases around the wet market. Is that the idea? And it's, uh, they, they, they now believe, and this is everybody in China as well, believe it was a super spreader event to something that was already out there. Gotcha. And think about it from the Chinese perspective. You have to take a grain of salt what they're telling us because they haven't been honest. They've tried to cover this up themselves. But if there are two alternatives, wet market, which is natural, or a lab, which means they screwed up and they weren't doing it safely or they did it on purpose. I think they just accidentally did this. But that's a real screw-up for government. Wet market, you can at least say it's nature. It's terrible, but it's nature. Right. They looked at 80,000 animals. They couldn't find antibodies. They couldn't find the virus in any animals. And when they looked at the genetic lineage of that being passed around the wet market, they think it's all human to human. They don't think it's coming from animals. So nobody ate a pangolin? <laughs> or anything like that. They also found there weren't any pangolins on the marketplace there. They, so they just didn't have it. And they didn't have bats there either. So there's a lot of misdirection by Fauci and others pointing to the wet market. And one of the things that we've revealed also is one of the main researchers that ends up uh, being the biggest advocate, the biggest mm-hmm. cheerleader for you're crazy if you think it came from the lab, in May of 2020 gets a $9 million NIH grant. So while he's making his decisions, he's privately saying, oh, my goodness, it looks like it came from the lab. It looks like it's been manipulated. Talk me off the ledge here. This looks like it came from the lab from the Chinese. His proposal has gone through initial approval, but it's sitting on Anthony Fauci's desk. And between February 1st, 2020 and February 4th, everybody that's privately saying that it came from the lab is now publicly saying in the space of three days – we also know that Anthony Fauci was having meetings at the CIA. There's no log of him being there, but there are people now, whistleblowers, telling us that he was at the CIA. How come he's not recorded as a visitor? Who's he talking to? Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, it came out from a whistleblower that the CIA voted six to one that the evidence showed that it came from the lab. But that's not what came out publicly. A couple of weeks later, they reversed their vote, and it becomes six to one the opposite direction but we, nobody understands why. But this CIA whistleblower says that these analysts actually got a bonus to switch their vote, which would be a crime. So there's a lot of stuff still unknown on this. When we finally get to all of Anthony Fauci's emails, non-governmental emails, and his phone records, other people are going to be sucked into this, either people from the CIA or other philanthropists that have an interest in a lot of this different research going on around the world. So You want I, him charged? You want something to happen to him? Well, we already know that he committed a felony. He he told me point blank he's unequivocally never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Well, we have in his own words now from a private email saying he did. So he lied to Congress. Is well, your... It's a felony. It's a, it's a punishable up to five years in prison. If you were a Republican or a supporter of Donald Trump, he'd be in prison now. You also write in the book many other things about COVID from the shutdowns, the lockdowns. One of the things that you wrote I thought was interesting. Americans were fed a diet of nonstop fear-mongering, Netflix, escapism, and loneliness. And the virus did not do any of that. No. I mean, it turned out to be devastating to isolate people, to isolate children. You know, they talk about thousands of children being lost completely. Like it or not, the school system is actually a form of a stabilizing force in our country for people who don't have parents. You have maybe one parent, maybe that parent's not paying any attention to you, maybe you're abused at home, maybe you're something just terrible. A unifying force is actually being able to go to school, and some people can escape a terrible home life on that. What happens to those kids, mm-hmm. you know, when you close down the schools? And then you compare that to a country that didn't do it. Sweden didn't close the school, didn't enforce mask mandates. No school children died in Sweden. 
And so the, 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 the Karens in our country would say, oh, but they, all the teachers probably died, right? No, they measured the mortality of teachers in Sweden. There was no higher incidence of infection or death rate among teachers than any other profession. But you've Everything been accused they told us. so many times of misinformation in COVID. And, and when you got COVID, you were the first senator to get it That's right. in March of 2020, 2020 rather. Right. Uh, I don't remember a lot of sympathy from the people who you've, now, they accused me of trying to kill all the elderly senators there, and that really wasn't true. And in fact, I had it um, so early on that nobody knew much about it, but I had no symptoms. And, How did you even uh, get a test? Well, it was weird. The testing had just started, and so we, they had it in the Senate. And uh, my staff was bugging me, go down there, go down there. And my wife's like, oh, you've, you know, I had to have part of my lung removed because of an assault. And they thought I might be at risk. And I had like cold, not even cold symptoms, but like allergy symptoms mm-hmm. that I get every year. And so I go down there and they said, do you have any symptoms? I said, not really. And they said, well, you can't have the test. And I said, well, maybe I put down, I have some sniffles. And they said, okay, you can have the test. Okay. And I had it and still had no symptoms. But, you know, I don't get my test results back for six days. And so if I ever had any symptoms, they're now like 10 days beyond right, it, right, right. which is way beyond any of the recommendations. Everybody gave me a hard time for not quarantining. Well, now we know testing. in 10 minutes. Yeah. Now, now everybody knows. And the thing is, is back then everybody was freaking out. But uh, I think most of it was irrational. Most of it was hate-based, you know, frankly, towards me and my politics. But the bottom line is most of it was unscientific, like wearing masks, like, you know. But people were scared, and they were willing to go along with anything. You tell right. me, oh, if masks, I'll try it. I don't want to get it. Right. They did know people. Right. We've all known someone who died from it. Right. Where there was even a congressman-elect, Luke Letlow, who didn't have any comorbidities. He right. died before he was sworn in. People got scared. Yeah. But. The thing about public health officials is they should be trying to give you information to protect you. So if Anthony Fauci is in charge of this and he says all masks work, that information, which is actually misinformation, will lead you or could lead you to take risks and die from getting that information and misusing it. So if he said all masks work, he said three masks are better than one. So let's say you're 75 years old and you have uh, your wife has COVID, mm-hmm. but she needs you to help her and you go into the bedroom to feed her and you're taking care of her, but you want to protect yourself. According to Anthony Fauci, just cut up some of your T-shirts and put your T-shirts over your face and you're protected. It does nothing. So now you've induced somebody to do behavior that's put themselves at risk, whereas an N95 mask used properly with gloves, throwing it away immediately and reusing when you go in the room actually has some protective benefit if worn properly for short periods of time. Mm-hmm. But he's giving you the wrong advice. He's saying a cut-up T-shirt is just as good, when in reality it turns out even CNN, who's horrible on this, the uh, Dr. Wen, who went on and on with all these restrictions, she finally admitted that cloth masks were nothing more than decoration, which I said from the beginning, and they said it was disinformation. Now, I have to say, I, I, someone I know who I spoke that I was going to talk to you, that, that you had this new book, immediately dismissed it. Didn't want to, like, none of this, it must be garbage, like, the, the, wouldn't believe a word of it. How do we deal with that? I mean, you, we're, we're very polarized, and you are one of the people um, that the left doesn't like. We live in this world, and I have a quote from Ben Shapiro in the book because he, he put it so well, is that we live in a world where people don't care about facts or information. If you're a Republican or you're a conservative and I'm a liberal, 
I'm just going to immediately disbelieve everything you have to say. And the opposite's it. true, too. There are a lot of people on the right who don't want to hear anything. They it, won't watch the left. Or it's be, like it's become very tribal. Yeah. And people just pay attention to who you are, not what you say. And that's disappointing, but it's also part of the book. I mean, the book has 900 footnotes. You know, I, it's kind of hard. For, look, I started out agnostic on whether the um, whether the virus came from the lab or not. I had known about SARS-1. I knew that animals do transmit things to humans. But I started reading about it. And I actually read an article by uh, Nicholas Wade that was on Medium in 2021. And I just became fascinated by the furin cleavage site, right. the unusual genetic makeup of that that only seems to be used in humans and actually seems to be um, unusual in nature. And didn't the Chinese lab destroy all of its records? Yeah, they had a database that had a whole bunch of coronaviruses on it, disappeared in September 2019. So there's a lot of people who believe this began in 2019. I actually still think it's an accident. I think they were trying to develop a vaccine. But one way of developing a vaccine is to grow a virus and then either use protein from it or attenuate it, try to make the virus less dangerous, then you actually inject the virus into people. A lot of the vaccines we took when we were kids were attenuated right. viruses. Or had a dead uh, dead whatever it was. Or, yeah. or a part of the protein right. from the virus. I think that's what they were trying to do, and I think an accident happened. People who think, oh, it was on purpose, well, it was on purpose. It wasn't very smart to release it in your own city and have hundreds of thousands of people in Wuhan. Who knows how many people died in Wuhan? Well, people I mean, have said, though, that maybe it wasn't an accident that got out of the lab, but it was no accident that China wanted everybody to get it. Maybe. I, it's, I, all I know is that it's more likely to have been an accident than not. And I think that they were trying to do something to develop a vaccine. In the book, we reveal that the general in charge of developing the vaccine, I don't know how a general's in charge, but a general in charge of this, uh, he comes out with a vaccine in February 2020. Almost all experts have looked at that and said it's absolutely impossible if it started in January to be ready. That actually they think he had it back from mm. at least November. But then he dies. He is either pushed or falls from a building like two months later. And in China, then, you know, you make a yeah. mistake, you may not last. And so it's a, it's a fascinating story. And to me, the most intriguing thing, the thing that got me started on it was just Fauci's emails, January 31st till 3 in the morning. His last email at 3 in the morning is to a guy named Bob Cadillac, who I didn't know who that was at the time. Over time, I learned that Bob Cadillac was in charge of the safety committee that's supposed to review gain-of-function research mm -hmm. to make sure we don't fund things that are dangerous. I finally met Bob Cadillac, and I said, did you ever review the Wuhan thing? He said, never came to him, and he didn't have the ability to go out and look for it. And so ultimately, not only did Anthony Fauci fund the research that in all likelihood led to this pandemic, he also skipped the step of the safety committee. He went around the safety committee. None of the research in Wuhan that should have been reviewed was ever reviewed. And so this is in underhandedness, a sloppiness, a lack of judgment. But then immediately the crime is in the cover-up. You know, he could argue well intentions and bad judgment for funding this, but the cover-up's a crime. And from the very beginning, he was committing a crime in February, beginning February of 2020. And we know this now and have proof of it because of his own private emails. You think he'll testify again? He's going to be made to testify in the House at some point. I'm in communication with the House members. I don't have the power in the Senate. The Democrats are in charge. They are investigating COVID origins. Not one hearing in the Senate. No Democrat has ever expressed any curiosity in where this virus came from. In the House, they're investigating it. And I think ultimately there's going to be much more that comes out of this. We have an assistant of Anthony Fauci's 
who publicly tell someone, I don't use my government email because they're FOIA, they're doing freedom of information on it all the time. I use my private email. That's an admission of guilt that he committed a crime. Once his Gmails are picked up, and these things don't go away. Once they're picked up, if he's if he's communicating with Anthony Fauci by Gmail, both of them by Gmail, they're both guilty of a crime, but then we're going to get a whole other treasure trove of this. I ultimately think that Anthony Fauci during this period of time is talking to people as well, and there's going to be some other people implicated in this, but you'll have to get the phone records of Anthony Fauci, which requires a subpoena, but I think they are going to get that eventually from the House. The book just out this week, Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up from Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.